Welcome, fellow pilots and other podcast listeners, to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communication Chairman David Campbell, and today with me we have your MEC Chairman Will McQuillan, Negotiating Committee Chairman Chris Gruner, and Strategic Planning Committee Chairman Ronan O'Donohue. So by now, I'm sure most of you realize that we've been negotiating at a much faster pace than we have over the last several months. We've received a number of communications from the negotiating committee. And today on the podcast, we're going to go into some more of the details about what's happening at the table and about the negotiating environment. And let's just jump right into that with you, Chris. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, David. So Chris, before we get into the meat of what's new, just remind us about how this process started, where the goals that you're working for came from, and and what's informing the work that you're doing with the company. Yeah, you know, I I think since the beginning of this negotiating process, we've worked really hard to uh, be transparent, make sure that all of you have confidence in what it is that we're doing at the table. So a big piece of that is making sure that we're working closely and openly with your elected representatives. And that's to make sure we're following your direction. Again, they take all that input from you, uh, all the phone calls, the coffee sits, the polling, and all that stuff, and then get together, talk about it, and then give us that direction. And uh, out of that, you know, we understood that your primary goals are, uh, and again, this doesn't mean that you don't want a broad market contract right in other areas, but the big pieces here that we're looking at are strong job protections in our scope section work rule improvements, and then uh, big work rule improvements, right? So it includes uh, flexible uh, schedules, bid block holder trip integrity, appropriate pay for a day of work, and improved reserve quality of life. And then you guys want pay in line with the market. So that's that's the direction that we've gotten from your reps. And so we've conveyed those priorities clear to the company, and uh, we have produced proposals that address those concerns. Okay, and then... As we've said a number of times on this podcast, we're three years into negotiations. It has been a long, drawn-out process with not a lot of progress made until recently. So let's talk about that. And I think to really have a, a, a conversation about it that we really can all understand, we have to talk about what's going on at the table. So that needs to be the starting point. So what have the last three, three to four weeks been like? Yeah, no, it's been a been a long three years, David. And so, uh, you know, for a lot of that, we just haven't seen the company being willing to engage fully or constructively on any of these core proposals. But then um, after the April 1st picket, and then uh, as we're in the middle of the strike vote before it closed, uh, uh, Will here received a phone call from our CEO asking to uh, meet. So maybe you could relay a little bit of that, Will. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, um Ben Minicucci reached out and indicated that he had a a strong desire to get negotiations on track and to focus forward and to be able to get uh, a deal done. And uh, I said, well, I appreciate that conversation, but nothing has changed despite three years. If anything, expectations have certainly galvanized around the the goals of the pilots, and it's going to take meaningful progress for that to, uh, to happen. But we are certainly interested in the conversation. And that, of course, led to a conversation where we met and gave them very clearly the expectations of the pilots. Again, reiterated, it's not like anything has changed. And uh, they indicated that they wanted to move forward meaningfully. And uh, that led to the current pattern of negotiations that we've seen for the last several weeks. 
following that conversation, what was it that made you guys feel like it was worth getting back together with them? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, David, because, uh, you, you know, we've had other meetings where we, we well, we said we weren't going to meet, right? Because there wasn't anything productive there to, uh, to move things forward. So we've made it clear that unless there's something happening at the table that gives us reason to keep going, then, um, you, you know, we're not going to just fall into that trap. And so, uh, you know, initially we had that meeting and then we went into the nego- first negotiation session just to see if there was some there, there. And that was about three weeks ago. Yeah. And, and, and I would say I'd jump on that, that you always have an obligation to see if there's some there there. I think uh, our obligation to the pilots is to very clearly, you know, explain what the expectations are and what it's going to take to get this deal over the line. And that nothing has changed in the course of uh, three years. If anything, a look out the window on April 1st should have probably revealed that the, the solidarity of this pilot group is incredibly strong. But when the when somebody knocks on the door, we always have an obligation to listen, but we certainly made a, an important piece of that, which is, I think, what you're about to say, clear that it's going to take meaningful problem solving and that uh, nothing changes. Yeah. And so, you know, frankly, uh, we did see a different level of engagement from the company when we started meeting with them a few weeks ago. So there were several proposals we've had on the table for a long time, and we started to see meaningful progress uh, towards uh, moving those along. So, you know, some of the big ones were the scope proposal. They came with a comprehensive scope proposal that started addressing those uh, primary issues. And uh, we've been working that back and forth and narrowing the outstanding issues and getting the structure in place, just like we said we wanted to do on that issue and in work rules. And, and then on some work rules or issues, we're seeing the same thing. So, you know, I think it's it's hard sometimes. I know, trust me, but... uh to wonder why don't we just throw the proposals on the table and then say, this is it, take or leave it, right? And then walk away. But the bottom line is these issues are complicated. You know, even if we have everything well thought out, which we do, but you end up putting there across the table and and you have to work through, first of all, making sure everybody understands it. And then you got to figure out how that impacts other areas, right? Or what it could do down line. And, you know, it's beneficial for us too, to just make sure we're carefully working through those things to make sure that Uh, We minimize any unintended consequences out of the back end of this thing. And also that, you know, the language is clear and that we have mutual understanding of what the processes are that we're agreeing to. So uh, I will say, despite all that, we're working really hard and uh, trying to be expeditious as long as we're making progress. And so we're going to keep moving forward in a a productive manner as uh, we see opportunities working with the company to solve your issues. Yeah, and and I think I'll kind of, maybe give a little bit of color to that, that what you're articulating at the table, what you know we've always articulated is that this is the problem that needs to be solved, that this is what the pilot's expectations are. And so sometimes that conversation takes a little back and forth for them to clearly understand the scope of the problem. And uh, I guess for lack of a better term, the mountain that we're trying to climb and the reason that our language is the way it is. And uh, like you said, that shared understanding is is pretty critical. So if that takes time, that's fine. Yeah. So when you get some of the specifics, right. Um, I think you did a great job there. Will reminding me that with the things we're talking about are solving problems. And so we, again, just like we've been saying throughout, we're not tied to a specific tool provided that it solves the issue. So every now and then, right, there might be a different way or a way to massage what we're looking at in order to make it better or to, uh, you know, uh, take something into account that we hadn't previously considered. Um, but there's other issues too. So for example, we said PBS could be beneficial to the pilot group, but the rule set has to be right. 
right? You know, the amount of transparency and the input from the association all have to be there. So there's utility in us walking through that proposal and then seeing where we have agreement to see if it's something that's going to be beneficial moving forward. And so we're having good conversations around that initially, and we'll address that further uh, next week when we meet with them. And then on top of that, you know, there's also issues with reserve rules, right? As soon as you touch something, it's going to change trading. And so we just want to make sure that we're able to have something that uh, is beneficial, both for reserve quality of life and then the ability for uh, bit block holders to trade their trips. Yeah, I think you hit an important point there, which is that it does indeed have to solve the the problem. The bar doesn't change necessarily. And if you don't meet that threshold, then that's where you need to find an alternative way to address the problem, I guess. Maybe is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yep. Chris, we opened this conversation with the reminder that we've been doing this for three years. A lot has changed in the industry since we started this process. What can you tell us about how the goals or anything may be evolving or changing based on what's happened over those last three years? Yeah, so I mean, I think up top, we talked about how the MEC sets her direction and that there's an expectation for a market contract, right, with pay in line with the market as well. And so, you know, what I will tell you is that the, uh, again, we're continuing to engage the MEC on a regular basis, and they are still setting our direction. So they're aware of the broader environment. They've been listening to your calls, and then they're relaying your expectations to us weekly. Um, we've been having weekly calls with them um, so we can brief them on our progress and then hear that feedback from them directly. Yeah, and I think it's not just the the MEC, but I would also like to note that with your work talking to others in the industry and certainly in the same thing in my role, we have opportunities to have a lot of conversations and understand the landscape and how it's evolving as well and provide information to the MEC that they can find useful in terms of directing the, the negotiating committee if there are any adjustments that have to be made based on the environment. Yeah, that's right. We've been in, in touch with uh, other ALPA and non-ALPA carriers, you know, just to make sure, again, we're keeping our finger on the pulse of what's going on. But um, in order to, you know, continue to stay on track with everything, I mean, the phone calls we have the MEC are, right now are informal, but uh, we did think it was important and we requested that the MEC schedule an additional meeting um, on top of the one we already have at the beginning of August. So this one's going to be at the end of June, be June 30th and July 1st. And the sole purpose is just to discuss negotiations again. So that way we can update them on our progress and then as a body, right, which is where they have their primary authority. So they can all get together and talk to each other and work out these issues. You know, they'll come back and then, you know, make sure that uh, we're, we're continuing down a path that they uh, want us to go down. You know, we talk about things have changed in the environment. That's all, you know, we understand, you know, what that looks like. And as we move through negotiations, those will be incorporated with, uh, you know, how we look at the world and I mean, how we move this negotiation forward, but nothing's changed as far as us working on your goals to significantly improve those things that we've talked about, right? Scope, job security, enhanced quality of life and work rule provisions. And then again, your pay uh, consistent with your contributions to Alaska and in line with the industry. Yep. And I kind of want to double back on something that you've said before, which is that structure, that the reason that maybe some of this takes time is that the negotiations, we're building structures, right? Whether it's in scheduling or anything else like that. And in building that structure, there is not necessarily, if you will, a lot of blanks filled in that allow us to understand, unlike things like the economics, for example, where the bar is. 
And we will have a, a firmer understanding of that. And those values will be filled in based on the feedback to the MEC. Obviously, that's first primary and uh, and foremost in, in what drives the direction, but also with uh, at a later date when we understand things a little better, right? Yeah, no, that's all true. Well, we're going to keep working through the structure, then, you know, layering the cost down the road. And uh, like like we've been saying, your expectations have been clear and will continue to be transparent and keep working to make sure that your goals are our goals. And then, um, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, just like we've been saying, you know, I hope you guys have been writing down what your expectations were on day one, right? And then we're going to get this contract out to vote on and then you guys are going to have an opportunity to say whether or not it met your expectations. But I'll tell you, our goal is, first of all, to move as expeditiously as we can and achieve your goals. So we're not going to uh, try to rush something through that's halfway. We want to make sure that what we get through actually achieves what you want it to look like. But, you know, we don't want to also artificially delay that. So when there's an opportunity to get it done, we're going to keep working hard in order to get that moving along. And then, um, you know, when we end up sending that across the board, I want to make sure that it's something that the negotiating committee and the MEC is proud of. We're not going to send something out just to make a point or anything along those lines. If we send something out, it's going to pass through the MEC. And again, it's up to you guys to make that final decision on whether it hits the mark or not. But um, that that's what we're driving towards is to make sure that what does go out, you guys can uh, consider uh, seriously and uh, make that determination yourself. So, uh, you know, I think as we're looking through all this right now, things are moving. We're addressing proposals or the company's addressing proposals that we've had on the table for a long time. And as long as that continues, again, we'll keep meeting and moving this thing forward. But, you know, at any point, it seems like the company's dragging their feet or something along those lines. Again, we'll be transparent about that as well. Right. And I think more to the higher level uh, opening of this podcast, too, our strategic plan obviously has contingencies and, and is aware that that could become a reality. And we haven't changed anything in our strategic plan. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Will. That's, that's you know, I'm kind of, I'm glad that uh, you brought that up because it's something I've been wanting to talk about here for a while. You know, there's absolutely no question that um, things are moving, which is great. I mean, that's that's ultimately what the goal is here for all of the work that we've done, all the work that the pilots have done, the unity they've showed, the solidarity that they've showed. But there is an end goal, which is to get to a ratified agreement. Now, having said that, there is no world that myself, Drew Coyle, David Campbell, any of us live in, the entire MEC, where we are just stopping to build out our plan. We've had these tactics planned and in place for many, many months, some of them going back as long as a year or well over two years, actually, one of them specifically. And actually, that one's the RV, which we just had rewrapped. And you'll see that thing getting rolled out again here or getting rolled out in its new wrap very, very shortly at some unity events. But as regards other tactics, you will see other stuff getting rolled out during the summer and we will continue to build out our um, tactics in the background in the event that we are, you know, we need to use them. You know, we hope that's not the case. We hope that the current desire to get this thing across the line continues, but in no way, shape or form are we thinking, are, are we planning for that? So we are planning to uh, to keep going and keep moving with stuff. Yeah, and you know, Ronan, one of the things that I've observed is I, I think that, as you said, we started a strategic plan about three years ago. We've been following it to great effect. And one of the consequences of that is that, Management knows what we're capable of, and they have seen, especially through 
the April 1st event and the follow-up strike authorization ballot that our pilot group is solidified, they're very unified, and that they know that we can pull out lots more tactics when we need to, and they will be effective. And I, I can't help but think that that's not on the company's mind as they're at the negotiating table. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at the events we did even um, earlier on this year in New York on those two events that we did where there were smaller events, but they were very effective. And, you know, we, there's plenty of that in the hopper, for want of a better way to put it. So there is there is no world that we live in that SPC, our Strategic Planning Committee, is sitting back right now just doing nothing. We are continuing to build out. And as I said, we hope that we don't have to deploy a lot of these tactics and we get to a ratified agreement because, again, ultimately that's the goal here. But in the event that uh, we need to, we will and we can. So there's no problem at all. We can easily get that back up and uh, running very, very quickly. But again, I, I do want to stress that it doesn't mean that nothing's happening. So we will see stuff that's going to continue to get rolled out and you will, we, we will be in touch with you as things uh, continue to move here and what things that you can do to, uh, to help us get this thing across the line. So, you know, I just, I'll leave it there for right now, but I do want to make sure that uh, we, we stress that stay tuned. Yeah. And uh, let me just tag on to what you just said about how we'll let the pilots know when, we need their help because it really it is the unity of the pilot group that empowers those tactics right though it's just empty noise if behind it aren't three thousand pilots going like yeah this is important to me this needs to change and i am doing my part to help make that change occur right it's the collective will that was felt through the strategic plan that has you know, I think generated the forward progress and that collective will, this is something I plan to say, I guess, in whatever we call the close is the most important thing that we continue to have that unity, that solidarity, that nobody allows themselves to get fractured along the way, because that is what's going to be required to, to see this through is steadfast unity, steadfast communication with your reps of your expectations and needs and solidarity that is non-fracturable. You're absolutely right. Well, there is something though that, like, even as I'm listening to you guys in this conversation, I do think is worth like fleshing out a little bit further and explaining. And that is, a strategic plan isn't a a sheet of tactics. It's a desire to end up in a certain place. You build from the end, or you 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 basically put your goal and you build backwards from there. And David, you you well and truly know that. God knows we've spent many many hours in rooms building this out, but it's this is ultimately, it's it's part of the plan. It was for us to end up where we are now was exactly what we wanted to have happen. So this was planned for. It. I don't want to confuse a strategic plan with tactics. You know, there, there still is tactics being built out and they will continue to be built out and ready to go. But this was the plan. The whole time was to get us to where we are today and it's it's and we are there. And I mean, and I'm very proud. I I can't say this enough. I'm very proud of the pilot group for giving us the horsepower under the hood to get there. But this is I, I just don't want to confuse two different things, which are tactics and strategic plan, because this was always the goal. Right. And negotiations move forward when the ice cracks, as I said. And that's been, I guess, maybe the, the point that we're all trying to say here is that things have been effective and the ice is cracked. And now we're going to uh, continue to advocate and continue to move things forward. 
I'd like to ask the three of you a direct question that I think may be on other folks' minds. As I've said, we've been in negotiations for three years. What changed? Why is it, do you think, that now they're bargaining with a little more, I don't know, sense of urgency, for lack of a better word? Yeah, you know, Bruce York, our chief negotiator that we work with, he's been doing this forever. And he says, uh, you never know necessarily why a company starts moving, but you know, there'll come a point where things, the dam breaks and then real negotiations start happening. So I, I can't tell you why the company decided to make that decision, but I, I can tell you that there are a lot of uh, things that you guys were doing that they 100% noticed. And we saw it in their demeanor at the table. We've seen a, a change based on what you guys have done out there. So between the all of you showing up at that picket and showing that tremendous unity, right? Showing up and making the effort to uh, vote in the strike vote and then voting affirmatively, all of that demonstrates not that you want to go on strike. Nobody wants that, but it shows that you're willing to in order to get a contract that uh, meets your expectations and, and reflects your value to this company. So that is just, uh, I think, hugely helpful in uh, getting the company to realize that we're all on the same page. You know, we're all unified and this contract's going nowhere until they start addressing your concerns. Yeah. And I might answer that. I've said it before, David, I'm not really interested in the why, but you asked that directly. You know, I'm interested in the results. I'm interested in meaningful progress and engagement. I think, though, that to put a finer point on what Chris just said was that I think they finally saw the resolve in this pilot group, the solidarity and the fact that our message resonated so broadly. It made a made a difference. I think they finally believe that this pilot group is a unified and B that what we are seeking in this contract is something that's simply in line with our peers and that that message resonated broadly. Yeah. Well, the only thing I, I, I guess I am interested in the why, because you know that's the work that we've been doing and we know that the pilot group, the unity, the solidarity has got them to the table. And again, I'm going to go back to what I said a few minutes ago, and that is that we are ready to go again. And we will remain ready to go. And this pilot group will remain ready to go until this thing is done. So there is no stop and stepping back. I do completely get your point and, and everybody's points about, you know, the fact that things are actually where we want them to be and we're moving. But I, I want to make an assurance to this pilot group that we'll be back at any point and we will continue to, uh, to press on this until we get what we actually truly deserve. Okay, well, thanks, you guys. I'd like to... Thank you, Chris, for giving us some more details about what's been happening at the negotiating table and Ronin for flushing out some of the ways the strategic plan has helped and what you plan to do in the future. I'll turn it over to Will in just a minute for some closing remarks. But first, I want to change gears briefly and talk about position bidding. As many of you probably know, position bid 2022-11 has closed. And in fact, as we're recording this, it's being processed. There will be other position bids in the near future, which will be reduction bids as they're reducing the Airbus fleet out of San Francisco. And so there are some cautions to be aware of. And Ronan, you've dealt with this quite a bit. So flesh that out for us and then we'll turn it over to Will. Yeah, thank you, David. I just want to remind everybody that right now the company is running reduction bids um, as they're downsizing the Airbus fleet and removing it out of San Francisco and starting up the San Francisco base for the Boeing fleet. So... I would remind everybody, make sure that you take 
or you pay really close attention to what you're bidding. Um, if you're in that area of uh, pilots that are either close to upgrading or towards the bottom are affected by these reductions, even if you're in another base that this reduction doesn't come anywhere close to you, make absolutely sure that people are bidding and um, know what you're bidding. And the big thing is, is to make sure that if you want to maintain your current seat or your current base to bid that too. One of the big problems is, is that when vacancies are awarded, somebody can basically, like a, a Los Angeles first officer can wake up in a Los Angeles as a first officer at 737, get awarded Seattle captain, and then subsequently get displaced from that seat because of a, another pilot senior to him was displaced, shoves him out. And if he doesn't have LA 737 first officer on his bid to protect himself, he would end up getting downgraded into Seattle as per 24E6. So I know that's confusing, but basically what I'm trying to say here is make sure you're paying attention, watch your bids, and absolutely give us a call, give membership a call if you've any if you've any doubt at all as to what you're doing, and uh, we'll be more than happy to walk you through it. So thank you. Yeah, of course, Ronan. Will, I'll turn it over to you now. I know you had a, a few closing remarks you wanted to give. Yeah, and much of it's been been said already, David, when we start talking about whether it's ice cracking doors, opening, things like that. You know, largely we wanted to make sure that the pilots had a feel for how we feel about things and how they're moving, but also to have them clearly understand that even though the ice is cracking here, it's also cracking elsewhere. We understand that. I know that. It's happening in the industry where you're seeing a lot of movement and a lot of re-engagement by other management teams as well in this current environment. And uh, in my frequent communications with the other chairman at other airlines, things like that, we're, we're in close contact. We know what's happening and uh, we do make sure that we're, we're moving together if there is any ground that's changing in the industry. You know, I guess the most important thing that you can stress to the pilots has already been said too. The strategic plan plans for this. It plans for this if it slows and uh, we're, we're awake. We're paying attention. And maybe the most important thing to drive home is that right now, this pilot group also needs to stay informed. I mean, listen to the podcasts, read what we put out, read the negotiating committee updates, stay informed, know what's happening, because we are going to be talking to you and you need to continue to talk to your reps. With the MEC, there'll be outreach events planned, the opportunity to have questions answered and remain engaged. You need to stay engaged. And above all, like we said earlier too, stay unified. The strategic plan absolutely requires that we are unified and that our solidarity is unfracturable. Thank you, Will. And I'd like to remind all of the pilots and families that we'll have another Unity event in the Seattle area toward the end of the month. Keep an eye open for that in your email. And with that, I'll close off another episode of the Alaska Pilots podcast. Thank you for listening. I've been your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, David Campbell.